Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Okay, we made it. We finally got to Hebrews chapter 12. (laughs) And this, I mean, it's kind of like this, not this whole chapter, but definitely parts of this chapter, I think for so many people have been some of the most challenging verses in the entire New Testament. And you'll see why in a second. But I I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you kind of how this has traditionally been understood. And then I'm going to share kind of for the first time a totally different way of looking at it that honestly, I feel like this is just a recent revelation <laughs> that I've had. Um, and so I don't know, it might come out kind of bumbly, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you because I really feel like this, this is what this is saying, but well, let's go ahead and jump into Hebrews 12 and, and just so you, if you're late in catching up, I mean, I won't go over a lot of this, but remember Hebrews was written to the Jews. And again, you probably should listen to every single teaching from Hebrews one through 11 before you just jump into 12, because 12 actually starts with the word therefore. Um, you know, which basically means like everything I'm going to say is dependent upon what I just said. So I just want everyone to understand like this is, um, you really need to know all of this before you just jump into 12. And so I want to read it how, again, these are Jews who are tempted to fall back into uh, believing the sacrifices and the bulls and the goats and all of that have something to do with their holiness. They're, they're tempted to go back into Judaism and either just discard Jesus completely or they're tempted to at least like slap Jesus in there, you know, is like an extra, <laughs> almost like we're still Jews, but we like Jesus too, like that that kind of a thing. And of course, the writer of Hebrews, the entire point um, is... For for him to elevate Jesus and to show who Jesus really is, that you don't need Old Testament sacrifices, that your entire holiness, everything about your righteousness comes directly from faith in Jesus Christ, and you need nothing else at all, no work whatsoever. It's just going to come by by faith. And, and you know, of course, they were tempted to do that because they had pressure from the Romans who were persecuting Christians severely at the time because the neuronic persecution was going on, which, you know, that was Emperor Nero who tried to blame the fire that hit Rome on the Christians. So there was massive um, persecution, again, on Christians, not on Jews. So if you were a Jew that recently became a Christian, you had a lot of incentive from the Roman government to not be a Christian anymore and just be a Jew. And it was almost like, we'll, we'll kind of take Jesus, but keep it on the down low so that people know we're Jews so we don't get persecuted. And then they also had the pressure from the other Jews and the community that were saying, like, what are you guys doing? Like, go back to what we all know is true, you know, kind of deal. So Anyway, I just want you to take a look at this. We're going to jump into this, and I'm going to share, again, something I've never actually taught before or even really thought before, but I want you to see if it makes sense to you. So I'm curious to see if this makes sense to you because it really made sense in my heart. And again, studying Hebrews um, for my master's thesis, and basically this is a book that I've maybe I've studied it, at least academically, I've studied it probably more than any other book. I think spiritually, I've probably gotten into Romans probably more than any other book. But academically, for sure, um, Hebrews has been the one I spent the most time in because I had to, you know, for for assignments and stuff. So anyway, let's just take a look at Rome, or sorry, Romans, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to jump right in. 12.1 says this. 
Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And again, he just in chapter 11 went over like all these amazing people like Abraham and Sarah and um, shoot, like Joshua and Barak and all these people who did all these amazing things. He's basically saying, since all these other people basically lived in faith. In other words, he's basically said all these other people did all this amazing stuff um, because of faith. And since all of them, it makes it sound like they're like watching, you know, cheering us on. It's almost like the picture is like we're playing a football game and they're in the stands going, yeah, you can do it. So that's kind of, it's kind of cool. He says, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And again, a lot of people think they'll read that and go like, okay, now we have to work to get rid of our sin and focus on our sin. And they think in terms of sin, in terms of like what we normally would think of sin, like pride, you know, anger. I mean, anger is not a sin by itself, but it can lead to anger, you know, lust, fornication, um, you know, things like that. I think that people think of that. But remember, most of the time, not every time, but most of the time in the book of Hebrews, sin is the sin of putting faith in something else besides Jesus. Like that is the big sin that the entire book of Hebrews is focused on rebuking. It's like if you put your faith in something besides Christ for forgiveness of sins and washing you clean and making you pure and, and all of that stuff, the other sins like fornication, adultery, whatever, um, become actual things you have to struggle with because you're not entering into the new nature. That's basically what Hebrews has been saying all along. So let's look at it that way. When he says, let, let us also lay aside every encumbrance in the sin, meaning anything that you would think that you would put your faith in besides Christ, which so easily entangles us. And again, obviously it's been easily entangling them because it's a massive temptation to go back to Judaism, to go back to the blood sacrifices, to believing somehow that takes your sin away or makes you holy or whatever. He's basically saying that's easy, especially for you Jews in this time period. And then he says this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So what is, what is the race that is set before them? Well, <laughs> the race set before them is intimacy with Jesus. Remember, because the entire thing has been about you can enter into the Holy of Holies. You can enter into the depths of who God is because Jesus made a way like he made you holy. You can dive into intimacy. You can actually enter the very throne room of God because you have been made perfect and holy by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through grace. So remember, it's not your faith that actually makes you holy. It's his grace that makes you holy, but it's faith that that in, in which you enter into grace. So I, I'll, I'll teach on that some other time, but I, I just wanted to make that point right there. So let us run with endurance the race set before us. That's why it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. See what I mean? The race, see people sometimes think, okay, let's work, let's pray, let's fast, let's, uh, uh. And that, that isn't what he's saying, although as awesome and powerful as prayer and fasting and spiritual disciplines are, and we all should be walking in them in, in, in the sense of they should be expressed from our being. There is no true believer that doesn't burn to pray, period, you know, that kind of a thing. But he says, what is the endurance? What is the race? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Remember, so the race is towards him. <laughs> in other words, who are we? we're running towards a person. We're not running to win some sort of competition, you know, in a race. We're actually running 
towards Jesus. Like this, he is our goal. He's why we're running. He's where we're running, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So we're, we're laying aside anything that would get our eyes off of the glory and the person of Jesus Christ. Anything that would distract us and take our hearts away from the person of Jesus and take away from him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that's the race that we're in. We're not in the race to see who can have the biggest ministry. We're not in the race to see who can win the most people to Jesus. We're not in the race to see who can pray the most or fast the most. We're actually in a race to go towards him, (laughs) like to go towards Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what the Hebrew says. Hebrew says, and he says, the author and perfecter of our faith. In other words, Jesus is the one who made our faith. He wrote our faith and he makes it perfect because it's only through him that faith does what it's for. And of course, perfection means that when a thing is doing what it's for, that's perfection. So he says, he is the only one who can make our faith do what it's for. Now listen to this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It's like, wow, the joy set before him. It was joy is so powerful that that is why he endured the cross. I mean, it's like, cause he could see the joy and what is really the joy? I mean, I think there's a billion answers to that question, but at least part of the joy that he was looking at is intimacy with us. I mean, how crazy is that, that he would present us to the Father and we could enter in as children of the living God, that God saw us, deemed us worthy of intimacy and decided it was worth the the life of his son. I mean, this is like, wow, like that is the joy set before him. And so what's the joy set before us? intimacy with God. It's like the same thing. Like the same thing as intimacy, closeness, oneness, knowing, beauty, uh, being able to be close, being known and fully known and him fully knowing us and us knowing him. Like this is the power of the joy that this is where the joy is supposed to come from. And this is the race that we're running. He says, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So it's like, he didn't like it, you know, like this wasn't a good thing. He had to endure much shame in order to be able to make us worthy to enter in. I mean, that's just crazy. You could do a whole sermon on that, but and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So again, elevating Jesus to understand that he's the point, he's the sacrifice, he's the high priest, he's the goal, and he's sitting at the right hand of God. And you know, His whole warning this whole time is don't dumb Jesus down. Don't get your eyes off of him in any way. Don't get, don't get so focused on sin that you forget who Jesus is. He's like, throw that off because that can easily entangle you. And he says this, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I want you to see this because he's going to enter in. We're going we're gonna to talk about, um, I think in links, so I might have to break this up, I don't know, um, into two separate sections because I don't know that I can do the whole thing. So I think I probably will <laughs> like break this up into two sections. So I'm just going to do this first part and then I'll do another Hebrews 12 part two because there's just too much here for me to do in one sitting. But he says, 
I want you to understand the context. Verse 3 of chapter 12. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So what he's talking about in terms of the race, in terms of what's happening, is he's like, you guys are enduring hostility against yourself, yourselves by sinners. So in other words, like you're persecution, the stuff that's coming against you, the pain that's hitting you is because sinners are hurting you just like sinners were hurting him. And he's like, if you can remember that Jesus himself also endured hostility. And remember, of course, that's what's happening here because they're being attacked by the Romans. They're being attacked by the Jews, which the writer of Hebrews calls sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's like, in other words, he's basically saying you're going to get attacked by those who don't know Jesus. Like they're going to attack you. And he says, remember that Jesus also came under this kind of attack. So you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now he goes right into that. And this is where the, the, my interesting understanding of this is coming from into talking about discipline. Now, remember what's the context. The context is people enduring hostility by sinners. And he said, that's, that's the context. And he goes right into that to talking about discipline. Right from, so I want to just read this again, and we'll go right into it. He says, verse 3 of chapter 12, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And right after that, he goes, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Well, most people just pull this out of context and basically apply it in this way. They'll say, they'll say, well, see, you just haven't like tried hard enough against your pride or tried hard enough against, you know, uh, fornication or pornography or something like that. Um, that's kind of how they put this, but that is not the context of sin here. So I want you to look, remember what we just read? He's like, he goes, consider him who's endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that he will not grow weary and lose heart. And he goes, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. So what sin is he talking about here? Well, remember, he's like, you haven't even, the, the sin here is falling back in to, again, the same thing. I would sound like a broken record, but that's Hebrews does, sounds like a broken record sometimes. Like you're falling back into the sin of believing the blood of bulls and goats can cover your sin. In other words, you're falling back into being afraid to have Jesus and Christ alone. Like you're falling back into old religious patterns. You're falling back into believing work saves you. You're falling back. That's the sin he's talking about. So when he goes, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin, what is he talking about? In other words, he's saying, you haven't even gotten persecuted like Jesus did. That's what he's saying. So the sin, in other words, resisted to the point of shedding blood, striving against sin, against the sin of falling back into the old Jewish system. That's what he's talking about. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't strive against sin like that you have a certain sin in your life and you need to stand against it and until its power breaks off of you. I mean, obviously I believe that. I'm just not, I'm just saying this passage isn't saying that. This passage is saying you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, meaning resisting the attack that's coming at you by sinners, because that is the context. Remember, context determines meaning. So I don't just get to make up what I want. Like I have to look at the context. So that's the context here. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin meaning you haven't resisted the attack of non-believers against you. And you have forgotten the exhortation which, which is addressed to you as sons. Now here's where 
it gets very, very interesting. So he begins to quote Proverbs 3.12. So the writer of Hebrews quotes Proverbs 3.12, but he quotes it and in, in like misquotes it. So it's kind of weird. And here's what he says. And this is, again, let's, I want to I wanna picture this. Maybe I should even, I don't even know if I should enter into this right now or if I should actually wait. Um, you know what? I'll read it and then I will give the explanation for it in the next podcast. So he goes, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. So let, let's just stop right there. So he says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, no, nor faint when you are reproved by him. So what's the context here? So most people think like, okay, discipline is when you're doing something naughty, um, like then God or, you know, you get spanked or something like that. Like, so most people think of discipline is like you're doing something bad and therefore you need to be spanked or hit or in some way corrected. So you stop doing the bad thing. But I want to put you, there's a different way to look at this. And, and I want also to think of it in terms of the context of Hebrews. Discipline also is when you are being persecuted for righteousness <laughs> that can be that can also be the discipline of the lord so when he, that and again that's what's happening to them right they're being persecuted for seeking jesus and for having him and him alone so i want you to just hear what he's saying so i want you to think of discipline at least in this context sometimes yes discipline is essentially letting you reap the consequences of your sin you know until you wake up and go I don't want to live like this anymore. Like, this is horrible. I want to repent because I'm in this sin and I don't want to live in this sin anymore and I don't want the consequences of this sin. But, I, but in this context, the discipline seems to be like, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord because what's, what's happening to them? They're not reaping bad things because they're in sin in the sense that they're, they're acting in sinful ways. They're, they're being attacked for walking righteously. <laughs> and he's saying, look, you need to resist even more. In other words, don't give in by going back, back to the blood sacrifices because here's the deal. If they were to sin, quote unquote, and go back to the blood sacrifices, their life would be easier right? Their life wouldn't be harder. It would be easier. So in fact, their life gets harder by them doing the right thing. So I want you to see that in this context, their life is getting harder because they're doing the right thing. So I want you to see that. I want you to hear that, that sometimes what we call the discipline of the Lord is actually you're going rightly and things are getting harder. It's not you're going wrongly and things are getting harder because God is somehow punishing you. It's actually you're doing the right thing and things are getting hard. And that, the Bible, at least Hebrews 12, I believe is calling the discipline of the Lord. So I know that sounds weird, but it's honestly like this is how you're trained by God is when you do the right thing and unbelievers and other and people that are make believers and fake believers and Pharisees love to attack you. And this is actually called the discipline of the Lord. That's why he's like, don't faint when you're reproved by him. So it's like it's almost like saying sometimes the discipline of the Lord comes through attack when you are doing the right thing, not just comes through bad things happening to you when you're doing the wrong thing. Do you understand what I mean? This is a totally different way to look at this, but I believe it fits the context much, much better. So we're gonna, I'm going to read just the end of this 
the quote here because it, it sounds really bad. So, and I'll quote you also the Proverbs 3.12 and then I'll end this podcast and then in the next podcast, I will continue to explain because I just want to not have these be too long. I just, I just don't have time in this podcast to, to really get into this. So we'll cut it into two pieces. So he says, for those, verse six, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. Now that sounds really bad. Like I've heard people go like, see, God takes whips and beats the crap out of people. And you just kind of have to go, whoa, 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 whoa. I <laughs> remember who Jesus is. Like if we're going to talk about Jesus making a cord and like, you know, a whip and like whipping people, the only time he did that, of course, was in the temple when the temple was being defiled by Pharisees. When a repentant sinner comes to him, he doesn't take a cord and beat the living crap out of them. Like this is not the God we serve. This is not Jesus. The only time he gets this level of anger is again against the religious Pharisees who would be attacking Jesus and attacking the people who have repented and come to him. So I I just want you to hear this, but let's just, so let me read this one more time. So verse uh, uh, five and then six says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. Now he's actually quoting Proverbs three twelve. So I thought it would be, it would behoove us. I like that word to go to <laughs> Proverbs three twelve, and Proverbs three twelve says this. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, which that's basically what you see there. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. It's like, whoa, the Hebrews writer didn't quote it like that at all. The Hebrews writer quoted, and who he loves, he beats with a whip. You know, so you're like, whoa, whoa, that isn't what Proverbs 3.12 says. So he kind of like, it's almost like he misquotes Proverbs 3.12, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. So that that's really interesting. Uh, here's what I want you to see. And I think this is, a again, a totally different way, but I think more appropriate way to look at um, this passage. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines through, and, and he scourges every son whom he receives. So all he's saying is there could be extreme forms of discipline for sons in whom he loves. But again, the context isn't bad things happening to people because they're in sin. It's actually bad things happening to people because they're walking righteously. <laughs> so I, I want you to understand, like, it's like sometimes the discipline of the Lord doesn't look like reaping consequences of sin, like negative things happening to you, or God has to beat you in order to get you to do what he wants you to do like that. I just, that is not the context, nor do I see this God, God, the God of the new covenant doesn't act like this. <laughs> it's just like to beat people so where they're in so much pain, they have to obey him. Like this isn't the gospel. The, so I, I want you to look at the context here is when it says, again, discipline comes from what? It, it sounds like contextually speaking, they're walking. He's saying you need to rock righteously. You need to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you, right? Which is why he says, um, like you, uh, verse three, for consider him who's been endured such hostility by sinners against himself. So you will not grow weary and, and lose heart. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, right? So in other words, it sounds like sometimes discipline of the Lord actually comes through attack when you're walking righteously. So I don't know how many times I have to say that, but I just want to say it again to say this whole scourging and the discipline sounds like it actually comes, at least in this context, from people going to seek the Lord, seeking him and suffering attack just as Jesus did. 
He's like saying, this is actually what the discipline of God looks like. So I want you to look at it completely differently. And at least in this context, say, hold on, this isn't God hurting you or doing something bad to you because you're off track. Um, although, you know, if you don't know you're off track, a severe rebuke by the Lord um, can be a very good thing and can help you get back on track. And, and that's called conviction of Holy Spirit. And he's very good to do that. But in this context, this kind of severe discipline, scourging, how he talks about is because he loves you so much that he's saying, look, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to get attacked by people who don't understand you. You're going to get attacked by sinners. And I'm going to actually call that discipline, which is why verse seven, he says, it is for discipline that you endure. You see what I mean? It's not like you're enduring the discipline. It's actually for discipline that you endure. Meaning, it's like you are, you are enduring attack by Romans. You're doing attack by the Jews against you believers. And it's for discipline that you endure. So in other words, there's something that happens in the believer's heart that builds a discipline when you're doing the right thing and you're being attacked for it. There's something that happens in your heart when you're doing the right thing and being attacked for it. See, so many people think that the wilderness and all this negative stuff and dark night and all that is simply a result of how sinful and crappy you are. And so God has to discipline you over and over and over to get the crap out. But here's the problem with that. The, that doesn't work. Like only the blood of Jesus, again, as Hebrews states over and over and over and over can make you holy and perfect. But there's a level of discipline that comes on your life that actually occurs because you're righteous, right? It occurs because you're following God. It occurs because you're walking after God that you end up in um, being attacked. And that does something amazing in you. And that's what he says. God deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline. Now I'm going to stop right there. We're going to go into the rest of this in the next um, podcast, but I want to leave you with that with kind of a cliffhanger. We're going to expand on this principle. I hope this has helped you. Um, and uh, this is something I've just opening my eyes up to, I, even though I've studied this my whole life and I've, or at least the last 25 years, I've, I've never seen quite this level before. So I'm going to have, I'm going to write about this in my book. Um, in fact, my book's almost done. Um, that's hopefully I'll be able to get it published. If you're a publisher listening to this, Hey, reach out, contact me. We'll see what we can do anyway. Um, so uh, stay tuned. The next one's going to finish this whole chapter and then we're going to wrap this up with some glory and move on to a new book. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through His Word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.